Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this extra weekly episode of Day Baptist Questions Everything, or what we're calling DBQs. On DBQs, myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor, Dane Baptiste, my producer friend, Howard Cohen, a.k.a. The Hizzer. That's right, Dane. This week, we're going to be looking at a big question, and the question on a lot of people's lips is, England are out of the World Cup. What next for the England football team? Now, we don't always do football, do we, Dane? We don't do a lot of football. No, we don't. We don't do football that often. We we dabble. We, I think we dabble. Yeah, but we occasionally pick up a ball, throw it around. But in this scenario, yeah. it is of national interest in the UK. I suppose international interest as well, because the idea that England one day might actually win a tournament uh, is often, um, you know, a big thing. Um, how did you experience the defeat, Dane, uh, with with laughter or, or uh, sadness? Uh, sadness is probably a stronger word, but yeah. I would say that. Uh, I suppose, I, actually, that, that being said, I guess on a uh, more of an individual level, that for some of the players, uh, I probably felt bad for them, obviously, because... Saka, yeah, Bellingham. Yeah, Saka, Jude Bellingham, Phil Foden, uh, some of the younger players in particular. It, it, also, some of the older players, like uh, Carl Walker, yeah, uh, I felt pretty bad for them. Again. But then, yeah, but then by that same token, never getting anywhere near that is a great way of putting it, Howard, because... I think one of the reasons why I find it uh, England's feet a lot more palatable is because I'm just very honest about England's prospects. Man. And while I've seen there's been some marked success in their advances towards the uh, latter stages of these uh, international football competitions, I'm very realistic about uh, England's position in, uh, in world football. Uh, it's actually very similar to England's position in world comedy in that it is unmatched and immensely lucrative on a club level but on a global stage probably isn't that recognised uh, as much right. as you'd like to think it is and a lot of the time when some of its uh, biggest uh, luminaries leave these shores they uh, find out that they are rather a, uh, a mediocre sized fish in an enormous <laughs> pond yeah. and I think this is a reality that uh, English football supporters have to wake themselves up to is the fact that England's uh, success or the English Football League's um, success and its uh, intensity and its extremely high standards is largely due to its influx of foreign players and talent. I mean, this is one of the first times for a very long time that England's even had a English an English uh, manager. And so even learning to deal with that and is uh, should be very sobering for English football fans. I think looking at the game, well, what's your analysis of the game itself, Howard? I'd like to know. I think, if I'm honest with you, I'm still kind of dealing with it, if I'm honest with you, because it, it really did fuck me off <laughs> massively. Oh, really? What has frustrated you the most? So my theory, and it isn't a popular one, because amongst oh. football fans, and so, you know, Dane Baptiste questions everything. Listeners, some of you might be the casual turn up for the World Cup fan. Some of you might follow football really 
really intensely. Some might not give a fuck at any point, in which case you probably switched off. Uh, stick around. <laughs> um, uh, but, uh, you know, for the, and if you follow- laugh, shame <laughs> on you because we're supposed to question everything. Sorry, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> grow up. Um, but the uh, I feel like England at this point, because of the absolute unparalleled success of our domestic club competition, that the quality of the players on offer are the highest England have ever had. Uh, at least, at least you know you you talk from the Premier League on the last thirty years, right? In the last thirty years, this England team is absolutely extraordinary like we we got to the semis in 2018 right with a with a with a decent team but now no offense Jesse Lingard Deli Ali and I can name some more this this is a, they've advanced massively in those four years um and it, I don't know if this makes so tell me if you think I'm talking bollocks then because a lot of people at work have told me I'm talking bollocks but like apart from Jude Bellingham who I think we can all agree it's fucking amazing right Amazing mm-hmm. player. Every other England player plays in the Premiership, right? Every single one of them. Yep. That's the best league in the world. If you could tell me what the second, third, fourth, and fifth best best leagues are in order, I'd be amazed. Because I don't think any of them get anywhere near the Premiership. Spain used to have a quite good league, but let's be honest. It's but just, did they though, Howard? This is what I mean. They didn't really. It was just three really strong yeah, teams. A lot of people, a lot of now they look like they've just got one really strong team in Real yeah. Madrid, you know? For a so long time, Barcelona a lot of people said that. Strong. La Liga was basically the Scottish league, but with better weather and, and yeah. uh, sexier names. And you'd, you'd occasionally have a team like Valencia have a couple of good seasons. So to Spain at this current time, that's a not very great league. Germany has been won by Bayern Munich for 10 years. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a one-team league, really. And there's other teams... Like Frankfurt, who won the Europa League, they're getting better, but let's be honest, they're still not at the level of the Prem. Uh, RB Leipzig. Yeah, yeah, they, they're, they're good. They're good teams, but the standard yeah. across the eighteen or twenty teams in these leagues is is so much lower than the Prem. Then you go over to Italy, and you go, well, Italy's, li- you know, it's actually looking quite good at the moment. It's been quite entertaining, but you still would say we dick on every Italian team that plays English teams in Europe. And that's not just because we've got foreign players. We've got some amazing English players in those teams. So the Italian league has not been anywhere near our glory era of Gazetta, you know, 90s, uh, when it was the best league in the world, really. So pre-mafia so corruption scandal, basically. Exactly. So it, 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 <laughs> it's a fine league with some good players, but the Italian league is not a great league. And then you think, well, what's the other league? It's the French league. And Paris Saint-Germain are the only team apart from... I think it was uh, Lille who won the league a couple of years ago. But basically, you know, Paris win it every year and it's not that competitive. So so you look at our competition where well, most of the, 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 the opposition's players play and you know what? We're the best. We've got the best players playing in the best league. How can we not win this fucking thing? <laughs> it's driving me mad. Every yeah. four or two years, I'm sat here going, oh, fuck. Fuck's sake, again, like surely, surely they have to win well, it at some point. I definitely take on board what you're saying in that respect, Howard. But again, you have to look at we, all of the English players do play in the Premier League, but in the teams they play in, for a lot of these players, their team's success are largely bolstered by these, by foreign players. Sure. They then return but, but, to their but, own teams. Listeners, you're welcome to write to me and call me an idiot on social media. 
not just for this episode, for any. But if you're Declan Rice and you play for West Ham, right? That's an average team in the Premiership. That's not a team that wins the league. It's an average team. It's been in the been in the league for a number of years without getting relegated. Declan Rice plays against the best players every week. Like there is nothing wrong with Declan Rice being in your team. You know, John Stones and Carl Walker, half of our back four. They're playing for the best manager in the world at the top of the league, so it's like I don't, you know. But I think I, I think it's, 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 are, it's a good point. Don't we actually underestimate them? No, no, I, you make a good point. But again, I would say that even though there are a number of great English players who play against some of the best players in the league, mm. that will let, help their individual competence and in it, and it will also their individual aptitude will allow them to compete against these players on a global stage. Mm. The issue is that in terms of English football. It's not just a function of players on a pitch. Because if it was as simple as players being on a pitch, then I'm sure Brazil would do a lot better or the Ivory Coast would do a lot better. It brings me to the most important thing I have to say, which is the sad truth that like, because what you'll remember, Dane, is like, do you remember when we had like Owen and Beckham and, you know, yeah. Gerard and Lampard and you'd be like, oh, wow, this is a great team. It's like, yeah, it was a good team. Shame when those players were injured, we were fucked. Like you had maybe 30 or 14 top players. And now England have about 30. Like they actually have about 30 top, top players. Like if Saka got injured, Foden would have gone over there. Sterling would have gone over there. You know, you've got Mason Mount, who is an underrated player. You've got Grealish, who barely played a game. You know, Madison, all these players didn't play a game. So you think to yourself, we've got so much quality, which means one thing, mate. They haven't got the right manager. (laughs) Gareth Southgate Ooh. needs to leave his job, mate. I'm that's, afraid he's, that's he's, controversial. he's a lovely man. He's a lovely man, but he knows. He knows now because he he's done it three rounds of it. It's like, yeah, I've done as much as I can here. Like I'm, all, I, you know, if I if I do this again, two years time and we don't win it, then everyone's gonna be like, well, he should have gone two years ago. We'll be back after this. 
who is a product of England's football system. And mm. I think what he has bought, which has made him very different to his predecessors, is that he understands the English disposition and has been able to create a much more harmonious culture between England's football players. I think yeah. when you spoke about like previous players in the times of Beckham and Owen, there was a mm. lot of egos and there were a lot of uh, separate stakeholders almost on a player-by-player basis that really affected the cohesion that despite the fact that there was all this talent that uh, wasn't able to make it work, the confident discussions about who should play Lampard versus Gerrard, how we were not even able to get someone like, you know, uh, Paul Scholes to be a regular oh. mainstay on the English football team as well as someone like Ian Wright. Um I, I think even the fact that the media tend to exist almost as a, a, an assistant coach and be able to influence decisions made by English coaching staff was massively problematic for the team as well. I think English football for many years uh, chose to ignore the importance of technical competence over brute strength and uh, musculature. So yeah. for a very long time, we would have vi- England would have vied to have more players, a lot more players like Harry Kane, who I think played uh, particularly well for the team. Um, mm. But there would have been a lot more Harry Kane's and Andy Carroll's as opposed to, you know, investing in technically players who may be a little bit smaller, like your Phil Foden's and your and your uh, Bukayo Saka's, like we're seeing now. And I think it's these kind of small understandings of the game on a global scale that England are only starting to kind of become savvy to now and incorporate into their footballing, which means they probably, by by that same token, it means that they're playing catch-up with a lot of other uh, world football systems because like, you look at Morocco, it is a problem, but it it means that until we catch up, or if we continue to be in denial about that, then we're not going to see massive changes. Like, I would always remind people again, like, a few years ago, Zatlan Ibrahimovic, basically beat the Indian team by himself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's, and it's well. kind of like, very clearly, there was, there was a team that understood that you can have players that are working as an engine and have a franchise player like him and work it around them. The collective Man. ego within English football, a lot of the time, prevents that from happening and allows for pressure yeah. to be placed upon England's coaching staff, which could affect the team. And that is the problem. And I think what I like about Gareth Sarkey, despite how people feel that his shortcoming is He's one of the first managers that I've seen who has a vested interest in this team, not just as for the sake of it being a sport or for its efficacy as a brand, but he actually, as a former player himself, cares about these players and is trying to develop a system within which people can flourish as opposed to showing up and doing a job as they are mandated by the external pressures of the media. Like, remember when we played Iceland? Some of these guys had part-time jobs and, like, you know, you hear English fans disregarding, like, Iceland football as, like, a farmer's league. But the idea is when these people come together with cohesion and with no egos, they are able to come together as one driving force for their objective. There's a lot of, uh, this is why I say like, because of England's status on a club level and all of the pageantry and money that surrounds not really teams, but sports conglomerates, it makes it very hard to go from that to kind of slot into it. Because when I watched the last match against France, there was obviously a tactic that was involved to basically all press on Kylian Mbappe and shutting down yeah, before yeah. he's able to move or get a stride on. Which, you job. know... They did a good job. Would be a good job. But then you forget that Antoine Griezmann is on that team. Yeah, and yeah, Coleman is on that team. And Dembele is on that team. Like, these guys playing yeah. like 
But they're playing for Barcelona. They played for Atletico Madrid, Bayern Munich. Like they're also playing for top Champions League teams as well. And yeah. but we were we so were I, so almost scared. We had to come as with Mark, the one guy who you know arguably is one of the best players in the world. But like, let's not leave out the fact that we played and went out to a team who, you know, fifteen years ago were the team. Like, remember the. France as they exist now, that's still the legacy of your Thierry Henrys and that's still the legacy of the Yosindians and the Shops. We haven't got that for these young players. We haven't got that for these young players. It's all in black and white. The issues with the England football team don't just include what's happening on the pitch. There needs to be a work that needs to take place on a grassroots level all the way up to the top tier in terms of how effectively we contribute towards English football. And that means yep. addressing the issues of nepotism, addressing the off-pitch politics, addressing the voice that uh, media has involved on the team, like yeah. addressing the punditry that Look, takes I, place. I'll tell you what, man. Southgate's done an amazing job. Southgate's done an amazing job. But I'm telling you now, they want to win the next trophy, the, you know, the next tournament. They want to win the tournament after. Someone's got to come in and just take you up a notch. He's not He's I not that it, guy. He's not that are there guy. Any English, are there any English, any English coaches you think are capable of that? I can tell you exactly who it should be. And conveniently, he took a job he shouldn't have taken, and uh, he's going to be lucky because basically he's going to get to he's going to get to take the England job without having to admit uh, he's fucked up the job he's got. And that's Graham Potter of Chelsea. He is a perfect <laughs> guy to take this team forward because the tactics he's shown when he's at Brighton is amazing. And so, I predict give it yeah, give get, it I- give it a month. And Graham Potter will be the England manager. I can see that. I'd, I'd feel bad for Southgate, and I definitely think he should still be a part of uh, England's uh, coaching staff because I just see the dedication. I even see the fact that he stood by, you know, the players when they were dealing with the vitriol following uh, the loss at the Euros. Uh, a lot of the racist vitriol, he stood by them, and I think that kind of gesture makes a difference to yeah. uh, players. And I think definitely his intent is uh, the beginnings down the right road to basically changing. The mentality, the collective mentality of uh, English football for the better. So, but that being said, Howard, I'm not, I'm not massively disappointed, and I'm not, and I, I think I'm different from you in, in like I'm not as frustrated because I understand we're way off, Howard. We are way off. Uh, and I think we're nearly do, there, man. I think we're nearly there, Dane. And like no, you know, think, I know we think we are, but it's just that we're just doing better than we've been doing. But you know, maybe we've I still just got- look at. I just look at. I'll just say two players. We just and we just give a shout out to them and. Listeners, if you've enjoyed this and you're still not over it like me, give us a give us a message and let us know what you're thinking. But I think when you look at Bellingham and you look at Saka, you just think to yourself, we can be world beers, man. They're 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 they're, they're eighteen and twenty one, aren't they? Like, let's yeah. fucking win it now. Enough, enough. <laughs> let's go and win it, and everyone can go. Oh, didn't Southgate? What an amazing role he played in this all happening when he's got another job at Middlesbrough or whatever uh, he's got. I get, I get you, Howard. But Howard, what was the score against the USA? Like, we could talk yeah, about where almost you, world beaters. You know, they, they don't have to win every game. France France lost to Tunisia, you know, in their group. Yeah, we so, have to win every know. game. But I'm just saying, well, while we're also poised to realise our amazing and footballing potential as a country, I'm just saying to consider that America's yeah. border sits right next to Mexico. Do you go further down that chain then you start seeing Uruguay and Paraguay and Colombia and Brazil, you know, it's always Argentina, gonna be Chile. It's always going to be competitive. Very yeah, competitive. You know. but, but the difference is, it's whether or not 
England is prepared to invest their resources in finding these diamonds in the rough. Because one of the things about the French team, when you look at that team, that is a country who very clearly has made best use of the after effects of and the remnants of its uh, imperial conquest. And it took a very long time for England to even do that and to en masse utilise all of the talent, irrespective of the aesthetic, in order to achieve a goal. Same thing that uh, America does all the time is that we know mm. what America's about. When it comes down to winning, they'll employ whatever tactics they need to do. You look at English, the English media, there was still contingents within that media still trying to paint it as if Phil Foden is the only footballer with the potential to lead England to victory. When you yep. yourself have said Jude Bellingham and Kai Saka were two of the outstanding players in that entire tournament, even French media recognised that because yep. Saka was getting, he was getting manhandled every time as he was yeah, during yeah, yeah. the Euros. So people yeah, understand yeah. He's a, he is a threat. And despite that, you know, English media will still be like, well, you know, Phil Foden and blah, blah, blah. And for me, it's that kind of mentality that is going to impede the long-term success of England. So well, let's see. Said, it's, it's let's see. Of- we'll revisit this. We'll revisit this uh, in a couple of months or years, and um, <laughs> in, in in the new year. And um, well, listeners, we do want to hear from you uh, as always on DBQ. So uh, tell us what your thoughts are about England's World Cup exit in the future. Or well, we should say England men's because the Lionesses are doing just fine. And I- I'm very happy to support the uh, <laughs> the, the women's team i just must point out i haven't got the same baggage and 20 30 years of attachment uh since 1990 world cup exit (laughs) attached to the women's team but that's fine very much supporting the team we enjoy that in the summer but yeah let us know what you guys think hey dane (laughs) yeah absolutely you've been listening to dane baptiste questions everything hosted by dane baptiste and myself howard cohen for more from dane and myself make sure you follow us on instagram at dane snaptiste and at the howard cohen you can now support us on patreon just search dbqe podcast and unlock ad free content and you can watch the full length video of the podcast please don't forget to rate review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts if you have a question for dane make sure you send us a dm on instagram at dbqe podcast and we could feature you in our next episode thanks for listening guys and remember question everything insanity group when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.